The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. I enjoyed the music today. How about you? We're going to be in a couple of different places in Scripture. Uh, Leviticus 23, that's the Old Testament. You could turn there or you can turn to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, so Leviticus 23, we're going to be 23 through 25, and in 1 Corinthians 11, 28 through 35, uh, as we talk about New Year's feasts. Really, uh, the New Year started, I guess, last week and uh, Tuesday, uh, but it, it seems like it officially starts tomorrow, doesn't it? I mean, I think everything, we've got a full week, I guess teachers go back tomorrow and students go back Tuesday and uh, some of you go back to work for the first day of the new year. So really, kind of this is the first Sunday in the new year, uh, and tomorrow kind of seems like the, uh, the first day of the new year, even though it's not, and I realize that. But uh, there were, we talk a lot about uh, New Year's resolutions around the first of the year. There was a couple who was sitting in a marriage counselor's office for the first session, and the good doctor, he uh, trying to identify what uh, seemed to be the source of the problem. He asked them, "What, what do you, what caused the, this issue to start with?" And the wife said, "Well, it all started when we thought it would be cute to think up each other's New Year's resolutions." <laughs> so uh, you might not do that. I thought about that, and I thought, "Boy, that would be horrible." But there's kind of some uh, resolutions for the new year we think about. There's sometimes there's uh, things we reflect on. We watched a video that kind of showed our year-end review of some of the things that took place uh, here at East Delta Baptist Church, some of the ministries and some of the opportunities to reach out to our community. It's a good time to reflect, and my mind kind of works this way sometimes, so... uh, I listed some things for you to reflect on in the new year. It's not going to get you in trouble uh, with your spouse. Uh, So here's a couple of things. They're not funny or hilarious, but they're just things to think about. A bus station is where a bus stops. A train station is where a train stops. So our desks are called workstations. I'm going to ask my boss about that. Can an atheist get insurance? For acts of God. You know, I had a, we have, we actually have uh, things when people call in for claims, we say, well, that was an act of God. Nothing we could do about that. If, if lightning strikes your house and your electrical appliances burn up and you call us, we're going to say, well, that was an act of God. This is a true story. There's a lady that lived out west of Cooper. When I was on call on a service truck, I came to her house and she said, well, there's a storm and during the storm, uh, the this tree fell, it took my service down, and uh, it tore it off the house. Are y'all going to fix it? And I said, no, ma'am, that's your, that's your meter base. You'll have to fix it. She said, well, it's y'all's line. And I said, well, ma'am, that was an act of God. And, and immediately when I said that, she said, I'll go as high as I have to. <laughs> so I said, well, go ahead. You know, there may be a miracle. If FedEx and UPS were to merge, would they be called fed up? Uh, if, uh, if they arrested the Energizer Bunny, would they charge him with battery? Uh, I believe five out of four people have trouble with fractions. Uh, how come you never hear about Gronald employees? 
Well, that's a good thought. You know, uh, if a tin whistle is made out of tin, and it is, then what exactly is a foghorn made out of? If quitters never win, and winners never quit, what fool came up with quit while you're ahead? You know, uh, what hair color do they put on bald people's driver's license? Do <laughs> you ever thought about? It? I looked around. I don't think we have any here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's the uh, what was the best thing before sliced bread? Some of y'all will some of y'all won't even understand that. If it's zero degrees outside and it's supposed to be as twice as cold tomorrow, what the temperature is going to be? Uh, since Americans throw rice at weddings, do Orientals throw hamburgers? Uh, why are carrots more orange than an orange? Uh, if you tell a man there's four billion stars in the skies, he'll believe you. But if you tell him a bench has wet paint, he's going <laughs> to touch it or sit on it. Why do we wait till a pig is dead to cure it? Uh, why doesn't glue stick on the inside of the bottle? Uh, whatever happened to a Sorboon Senior? <laughs> Some of y'all won't get that either. Uh, is there another word for thesaurus? Does anybody know the answer to that? Uh, why is there Braille on the drive-up keypad of an ATM machine? And I'm sure you've thought about that before. Uh, need for reflection. Those are just some things to reflect on uh, in the new year, maybe, keep you out of trouble. But uh, this morning, as we think about a time for reflection, we're looking at communion, and we're going to spend a little more time around the communion table than we normally do. We normally just end with that. So uh, we're going to have an opportunity to begin a new year by examining ourselves before God. Now, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven we we're going to Leviticus next. A person, it says in the text, a man, of course, the Bible's written in masculine gender, so it, most everything says man, but it means uh, the church, uh, men and women. So uh, a born-again person, a man, ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. The beginning of a new year, I thought that would be a, an appropriate time to do that, what the Scripture says. So uh, just to ask ourselves this question, how are we doing in our relationship with God? We're looking at a new year. Are you close? Are you distant? Are you obeying? Are you disobeying? Are you spending time with God in His Word, in prayer, in fellowship fully, and in, in fully loving Him and serving? serving Him faithfully in His kingdom, or, or is your life crowding out your relationship with God? Uh, I said this morning, I mean, I, I come in, Debbie and I were both kind of blowing, you know, just kind of, and I said, boy, it's been busy. And, you know, sometimes life can just crowd out our relationship with God. It's so busy and so many things going. So this morning, I want to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I hope I don't lose you on this this morning. Uh, in, the, in the list of feasts that God commanded for His people to observe, this is His people Israel. He gave a list of things, and He said these are different feasts, and, and we, we find a very short description of one of them, and it's called the Feast of Trumpets. And in Leviticus 23... 23 through 25, it says, The Lord says to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you're to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with a trumpet blast. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. That's all it says. Now, if you go over to Numbers 29, which you don't need to turn there, there's a, 
There's a little more information about it, but all it really does is add uh, the animals that should be sacrificed during this uh, during this feast. So if we didn't know any better, we might come to the conclusion that, well, this Feast of Trumpets is just uh, uh, to honor people blowing the trumpet because that's kind of all it says. But in fact, there's a whole lot more going on here in the Feast of Trumpets than we would see just simply reading that passage. Or today we would say, well, that was for the Israelites. And Jake, we've moved on from that. So what does that have to do with us? And we're talking about an ideal reflection. So here it is, the first day of the seventh month. The first day of the seventh month is the day the Jewish people celebrated the new year. So so when we read this, for them, the first day of the seventh month was New Year's Day. So the, the Jewish calendar, it began, on, it began on that day, and it began with this particular feast, the Feast of Trumpets, and it generally occurs after the harvest has been brought in uh, about uh, October, September, October, sometime in there, and, it, and it's known today as Rosh Hashanah. And, and believe it or not, Jeremy and I have discussed this, and uh, I said, you know, I've seen that, and I've read that for years, and I never really knew how to say it. So I would say Rosh Hashanah or something. I looked it up, and that's the Pernet of the Pernet Nation. Rosh Hashanah. So uh, that that is it. And generally, the Jewish feasts were were a, a feast of celebration. I mean, they were they were a they were a time of of joy and, and exuberance. It, they were a time of of a group coming together. But but not these two. The the feast of the trumpets. It began a ten day period, which led up to the Day of Atonement. And and those couple of feasts there, they they marked the beginning of a national. Uh, exercise of each individual, each Jewish individual, examining their lives before God. So, so this Rosh Hashanah, it was a, it was a beginning, and it was a time that that people were going to examine themselves before God. It was a new year. It was the beginning of the new year, and and so what's the blowing of the trumpets? And and in his book Samuel Bracconi, he says God's festivals in Scripture and history. He wrote a book, and he says it's like this: the blowing of the shofar in Rosh Hashanah was understood by the Jews as beginning, listen, of their trial before a heavenly court. Have y'all ever been to court and maybe you're on a, uh, you were on going to be a jury duty or selected or, or sitting in a panel and, and uh, somebody stands up and it's usually a guy and he's got a deep voice. He goes, all rise. You know, well, that's, that's what the trumpets were. What, when that guy says, all rise, what's he saying? He's saying, the judge is coming in, the court's about to start. So, so let me tell you a funny story about that. I, was, uh, I got called to go up to Sherman Denison for, uh, for a federal court and uh, to be maybe selected on a, on, a, on a case of some people haul drugs across the state line. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So we're all sitting in this courtroom, and uh, we've been in there for two or three hours, and there's a guy beside me, and he, he pulls out a newspaper, and he opens the newspaper and starts reading it. I think I may have told you all this one time. And so the, the bailiff, the all-rise guy, he says, Sir, there's no newspapers in the courtroom, which makes sense. You know, you can't be reading about the case when you might be a juror. Well, it aggravated the guy, but he put the newspaper down. So uh, they, they're up there arguing back and forth. Well, they select their 12 jurors and a couple of standbys, and they say, the rest of y'all stay, 
you need to stay in case these don't work out. So uh, we go and eat lunch. We come back, and we're sitting there, and he's sitting beside me. He's down a few people, and uh, he picks his newspaper up, and he starts reading it. And uh, he, he then he goes to page two. <laughs> so he opens it. And he's reading it. Now, they're up there. The judge is up there, and the lawyers are, are going back and forth, and they're asking these potential jurors questions. And uh, I'm sitting there. I was like, you're fixing to get in trouble, man. <laughs> Here comes the bailiff. He walks from up there, and he walks down through there. This guy is easy into this paper. And he just goes, <laughs> and just rips it out of his hands and wads it up and just goes over and throws it in the trash. <laughs> you could have lit a cigarette on that guy's head. He was so mad. His face turned red. He was seething with anger, you know. And I was like, I knew it was coming, man. But uh, anyway, it was hilarious. I'll remember that the rest of my life. But, but so this trial, this blowing of the trumpet, the, 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 uh, the bailiff has come in. He says, all rise. And... Uh, it's a new year, and it's the first day of the new year, and the Jewish people, they're, they're envisioning themselves in a trial. And as they envision themselves in a trial, they envision themselves standing before God. He's the one that knows everything. He, he's the one that places people's lives upon the scales. And, and so they're, they're thinking about, they're making an assessment of their life. And as they're making an assessment of their life, they're asking themselves, as the scales are put before us, as, as our life is balanced out, what will mine be? Will it, will it tilt towards my life has, has, has meant something? Or is it going to tilt the other way that I have failed God? So, so they're, they're really thinking about my life is in hanging in the balance. It's being weighed upon the scales of justice. And as it's doing that, now this is all from this book, God festivals in, in Scripture and history, they, they think about this, will I live or will I die? What's, what's, what's going to happen to me? So, so this, this image, it kind of jolts each, per- each person into this, this awareness of the, how, how fragile life really is because they're thinking about this and the question probes a deeper issue. They ask themselves, if my life ended today, if, if it was to end now, has my life been worthwhile? He goes on and says this, the, 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 the trial image captures the sense of one's life being in someone else's hand, the so far of, of Arash Hashanah, it, it proclaims that the judge is before them. There's no hiding place before the judge, for he's sitting on the bench, sharpened self-awareness, candid self-judgment, and guilt are activated by all the possibilities that a death sentence could be handed down. Like standing before a firing squad, a trial for life wonderfully concentrates the mind on examining themselves of where they were. So what I'm talking about, the Jewish people, they, they are to celebrate. Now that doesn't sound like much of a celebration, does it? The Feast of Trumpets. That's why I said this was a solemn celebration. But the good part is... It's followed by the Day of Atonement. So, so as we, we hear these mournful trumpet sound announcing, hey, the judge is on the throne, the trial's about to start, that's bringing people in their lives be, to stand before the throne of God. And, and God has commanded His people to do this, to examine themselves, to, to think about this trial. 
So, so we say, okay, it's not an exuberant faith. In fact, it seems a little bit terrifying, don't you think, to, to think about the, the possibility of, of standing before God and, and giving account. And, and the Jews were required to go through that process. And, but, but let's return to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, and it says this, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgments upon himself. That is why many among you are weak, weak and some are sick and a number of you have even fallen asleep or passed away. But if we judge ourselves, we'd not come under this judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the word. Now, that, those words sound a little bit terrifying. That's why I said you can't tune me out this morning and stop listening here. Or you're going to leave thinking that was a horrible message. This was a new year, Jake. This is a, a fresh beginning. This, this image of the final judgment, listen, over in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Jesus, he, he echoed these words. He says this, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He'll sit on His throne in heavenly glory and the nations will be gathered before Him and He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd will separate sheep from the goats and He'll put the sheep on His right side and the goats on His left side. And of course, you can go and study that passage of Scripture and Christ is talking about uh, those who are born again and those who have never accepted Him and we talk about the, the throne and, and that's the picture we have and, and if we were uh, back in this day and the Jewish people and the, the, the new year began and the feast of the trumpets were sound and, and we would think about those trials but what's the hope? And I've kind of got to that already. Before we get too terrified, remember that at the end of that 10-day feast of trumpets, so they have 10 days, it's leading up to the Day of Atonement. So why 10 days? Well, during that 10 days of the feast of trumpets, it was an opportunity for people to get right with God. It was an opportunity for people to go out and seek forgiveness from others that they may have offended. It was an opportunity to get their house in order. So for 10 days, the Feast of Trumpets, as they examined themselves, as they thought about standing before God and where is their life and how is it going to balance on the scales, that 10 days, they're, they're going and they're, they're having a time of repentance. They're having a time of saying, you know what, I need to get right with God. But here's the good news from the Feast of Trumpets. At the end of that 10 days became the, the Day of Atonement. That was the next feast, the, the Day of Atonement. Without getting too uh, much into detail about the Day of Atonement, it was basically a day when God provided a way for all of Israel's sins to be forgiven. So remember, Christ hasn't come at this point. So the Day of Atonement, it was a, it was a, a place that individuals and, and Israel as a nation could have their sins forgiven. And, and it was a day of cleansing followed by that day of, uh, of repentance. And it was a, it was a solemn occasion. And, and the end result was God removed the sins of His people and restored them to a right relationship with Him. So for those ten days of trumpet judgment... As they're going around, as they're, as they're working out their relationship with God, at the end of that, God says, okay, here's the plan. The plan is I have a, I have a way that, that you're going to be able to, to be in a right relationship with me. Now, I know that's a lot of background about these couple of different feasts and maybe more than some of you like, but, but in a lot of that, I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to think about my original question. How is your relationship with God? At the beginning of a new year, 
And, and I want us to take a, a, a chance to take his chance to, to take stock and kind of evaluate and recognize where our priorities might be, how they need to be shaped, and, and what really is our relationship with God. You know, this is a, a communion service this morning, and, and uh, we're instructed by Paul to examine ourselves. That was a scripture we read examine ourselves. I want to take a moment just to say a word of prayer as we kind of examine ourselves. And Father, I pray that as we really think about uh, your instructions to your children and the nation of Israel and, and, re- and recognizing that was the old covenant, uh, that covenant that you've made with, with your people, that Abrahamic covenant, Father. But Lord, in that we see a picture of, of the new covenant in your blood. We see what Paul was really thinking about as he says a man ought to examine himself with that thought of that trumpet, that feast of trumpets, and a, an opportunity for a man to, to go back and to really think about his relationship and, and how, how is our life in the balance today. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would take some time of, of, of examining ourselves, of really considering where we are in you spiritually and where we need to be and how you would lead us, Father. And Lord, I ask that we would do that through your eyes, through your Holy Spirit, knowing that, Father, in our own power that we can get mixed up and lost, but, Father, that your, your Spirit would reveal those areas that we need to surrender to you, that you want to work with us and lead us in, and we would be obedient to you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning, as we think about the, the image of uh, the judgment seat of God, it, it's really an accurate image. The Bible talks about that. And let me fill in a picture a little bit more. Uh, the Bible says he sits there, he's on his throne, he looks at us. And if you really think about how the Bible describes who we are, it describes uh, our sins, it describes our filthiness, it, it describes us the best we can offer is, is that of dirty rags before God. But as God looks at us, that's not what He sees. If we're born-again Christian, if we've repented of our sin, as God looks at us, He sees Jesus Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus. In Galatians 3.27, He says, All of you that were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So as we think about that picture of a judge, we think about a judge sitting on a throne, we think about a judge uh, for the children of Israel looking at the sins of Israel and their filthiness, and we think about them looking at his failures, and we say, boy, this morning I think about where I'm at with God, and and I think about what he sees. Remember this, if you're a born-again Christian, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when God looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus, and he sees us as perfect. He sees us as sinless because of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that great news today? So when we think about that feast of trumpets and we think about that day of atonement, we need to realize that Jesus paid it all. And to all to Him we owe because of what He did on the cross. He took our sins. He took our failures. He took our filthiness and, and those filthy rags. And, and He said, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to become the atoning sacrifice. That picture that we see in Leviticus of, of the Feast of Trumpets, that picture we see of, of the, the Day of Atonement, Jesus Christ, He fulfilled those things. 
And so today, as we think about where we are before God, we think about that right relationship with God. We need to be more than just fire insurance Christians that say, well, I'm born again and that's good enough. I'm going to go on. But we need to really think about where does God want me to be and what does God see? He sees us as someone who's perfect. He sees us as his child. But he also sees us as someone he wants to grow in and grow through. He wants to see us as a minister. So that's what Paul's talking about. As he would have sat before some Jewish people, and it says over in Corinthians, on, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord took the cup, and he took bread, and when he had broke it, he gave thanks. So this morning, as we really kind of examine ourselves and think about where we are, we think about that feast of trumpets that the people would experience there and the Jewish people. We think about the Day of Atonement. This morning, as we take the, the body of Christ, I want us to do some reflecting. And, and let's pray together, because the Lord Jesus says, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And Father, this morning, as we come to this place in our service this morning, and Father, we we think about where we stand before you. It can be terrifying because, Father, we know that Satan wants to bring up all of our failures, all of our pasts, and question in our mind, you know, how could God truly love me and, and see in my filthy rags that I placed before him. But, Father, I pray that we'd remember when we repent of our sins, when we accept that, that cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, that atoning sacrifice, that, Father, you promise our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. You, you tell us that you remember them no more. You buried them in the sea of forgetfulness. Father, we can realize that your body was broken for us, and by your stripes we've been healed. By the breaking of your body, our sins were atoned for. Father, this morning I thank you as we have a chance to reflect about uh, a new year, a new beginning. Father, we would really examine ourselves to see where we are before you. And then, Father, as we take this bread, we would remember what your body represents, what this bread represents in your body, and what took place on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask our uh, ordained men, if you would come forward, and we're going to pass out the bread. And don't, uh, you can partake when you'd like, but I will direct you in that. And y'all can go ahead and just take the bread and, and pass that out as you go. So I want us to think this morning as the bread is passed, how, how deep is, is our Father's love? I mean, communion's a, a ceremony of remembrance. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, reliving the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And in Leviticus 16, we have detailed instructions for the Day of Atonement. It says this, And when Aaron was finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tabernacle. Now remember, this is the Day of Atonement. And at the altar, he must bring a living goat forward. Now I want you all to listen to this. I've, I've explained this before, but... You've always heard this term, scapegoat. He's the scapegoat. Well, that's where this came from. It was called the scapegoat. They would bring the scapegoat to the altar, and, and Aaron would place his hands on the goat's head, and he would confess the sins. I'm reading this out of Leviticus 20, uh, 16, 20 through 22. He would lay his hands on the goat's head, and he could confess over it all the sins and the rebellion of the Israelites. 
And in this way, he, God, will lay the people's sins on the head of the goat. And he'll send the goat out into the wilderness, led by a man chosen for this task. And after that, the man will set the goat free in the wilderness, and the goat will carry the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. See, that was a picture of the, the goat, the scapegoat. That was a picture of the Day of Atonement. That's the picture that, that what Christ has done for us because God has taken not a goat, <coughs> but God has taken the perfect Lamb of Heaven and <coughs> excuse me, He's placed the sins of the people upon Him and, and God has paid that price of atonement. In Romans 3.23, Scripture says, All is sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified freely by His grace through the, through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. See, in Christ we have the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement. Through Christ we have that, that uh, Old Testament uh, law, that old, old Testament covenant through Christ, that, that has been fulfilled. And this morning, the, the sins of the world have been placed upon Jesus, and we can benefit from that through taking the blood, that, that binding agreement. So as we took the, took the bread, Through the direction of the Holy Spirit, Paul said, as he took the bread, he said, when you take this bread, do this in remembrance of me. You can take the cup. Then the scripture goes on and says this, after supper, Christ took a cup in the same manner at the emblem of his blood that he shed for us, through which we find forgiveness, and he passed it among his disciples, and he declared, this is a new covenant. Now, what we were talking about a while ago was the old covenant. That was the Abrahamic covenant. That's a covenant that God had with the children of Israel. Now, we don't have time to go here this morning, but that covenant's still in place, but it's on hold. And during the time of revelation, that covenant for Israel will be opened back up. But Christ took and, and he took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant. It's a new agreement. <coughs> it's been sealed with an oath. And in this case, it's sealed with the very blood of Jesus. And he said, this, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. That's the covenant we live under today. That's the New Testament. That's the new testimony of Jesus Christ, the new covenant. All who is thirsty, let him come, is what Christ said. Let me tell you a story about the pioneers. They're, they're making their way across the central states to a, a distant place they'd never been before, they'd never seen before. They're, they're coming to open up a new homestead. And as they traveled, they were traveling covered wagons and pulled by oxen. The, the process was necessarily slow. And one day they were horrified that, uh, to, to see a long way away a whole line of smoke. 
And this, this whole line of smoke, it was stretching out for miles across the prairie. And of course, it's slow travel. And soon it was evident that it was a, it was a grass fire. It was dried grass and it was burning and it was, it was moving fiercely. It was coming towards them and, and, uh, faster than they could travel. And, and so they, they had crossed the river that they could cross the day before, but they knew that it would be impossible or they were at the river throwing to get everything across. The river and and the flames were coming and they'd be up on him. So one man he he seemed to understood understand what needed to be done and and what he did he gave a commandment to to set a fire and and burn the grass back towards the fire back towards the fire that was coming. Of course, you know what happened. The the they started a fire. They burn a big area and then they they moved all the company of wagons in the burnt area and, and it was circled up there and, and the flames got closer and closer and closer and, and there was a little girl that cried out in terror, are you sure we're not going to be burned up? And the leader said, my child, the, the flames can't reach us here because we're standing where the fire has already been. And you know, we stand before the throne of God. And when we look at that picture and think how terrifying it must have been for Israel to, to think about the trial and their life hanging in a balance and, and the judge sitting on the throne to, to, hand, to hand down judgment, we, we stand before the throne of God. But listen, folks, we stand forgiven. We stand accepted and, and we stand adopted because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what Christ has done upon the cross. So when we think about that, that atoning sacrifice and we take, think about that judge that, that's standing upon our throne, we need to think about the blood of Jesus and, and really realize what took place on that day of atonement. So, uh, as, 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 Paul took the cup, and as Jesus took the cup that night, and he talked about the new covenant, not the old covenant, but the the new covenant, which was in the blood of Jesus. He said, when you take this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, men, for helping this morning. And so, so one final festival. Don't worry, I'm well aware of the time. But five days after the Day of Atonement, so we have the the Feast of Trumpets, then we have the the Day of Atonement, but there was a a final feast, and it was called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And, And basically, it was a national camping trip. Now, think about what Israel's just been through. They went through ten days of really examining themselves before God. Then they went through the, the priest taking and symbolically placing the sins of Israel upon the gold and him being sent out into a place and, and them receiving forgiveness. So what would follow that? The, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a, it was a, a big contrast between the last two, the last 10, 15 days. It was a huge contrast to that. It was a big party. And, and I won't describe it in detail, but just imagine taking your family and your friends and all your relatives and you just get away for seven days. And for seven days, you, you, you just, uh, you just have a big old celebration. 
and, and you celebrate and you have the booth of, of tabernacles, you have the groups of people there, they're, they're, they're celebrating, they're cooking, they're eating together, they're dancing together, having this, this huge party for seven days. And the whole reason for this party was this, because they had been forgiven. And God had removed their sins and they were welcomed back into a right relationship with God the Father because He had restored their fellowship. So see how that follows through a new year? A new year we examine ourselves and we think about where are we at before God and then we think about the body and the blood that was shed for us and then we move into a new year celebrating all that God has done. We move into a year, a new year saying, you know what? God has, has a relationship and he's, he's restored that relationship between me and himself through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And I don't pay for my sins and I don't have to, uh, pay for that atoning sacrifice and wages of sin is death because Christ paid that death for me. And Christ shed His blood for me and Christ's body was broken for me and because of that, I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have celebration. Now, I don't know if you can take seven days off, but if you could take seven days off and just have a big party, a big picnic, a big cookout with all your family, all your friends and games and all the things that take place, that would have been what it was like for the people of Israel. And you know what we call that? We call that worship. We call that coming before God and, and really just lifting our hearts and voices to God and saying, God, thank you so much for what you've done for me on the cross to realize that I'm forgiven because of what you've done on the Christ. That's the right response for us. Having uh, been uh, repented, having cleansed ourselves, having remembered what Jesus sacrificed for us, we need to follow that up was celebrating today. That's where we're going to close today. We're going to close just with a, a song of celebration. It's not a the probably the best praise song we've got, and maybe the, the best song to, to celebrate, but to me, it's a song that, that just makes us think about who are we that a king would come, that a king would die for us, that we would have life. I want to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to be led in a song uh, this morning that, that says, You're my king. Uh, and at the end of that song, then we will uh, we will be dismissed.